What's going on, Summit Chasers, and welcome to this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. Very excited for this episode. The day after Christmas, we have Deanna on the show. Deanna, is, she's completely an open book. Her stories of resilience, triumph, failures, and then to really discovering who she is and what she's meant to do and who she's meant to be, it was incredibly inspiring. She has her own podcast called the Label Free Podcast, sorry, where she literally, she lays it all out there. She's an incredible inspiration for anyone who has put shackles and labels on themselves, but knows they are capable of so much more. Now, I don't, I don't need to make much more of an intro, introduction for Deanna. So sit back, get your notebooks out, comment your takeaways below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn on your notifications and please enjoy the episode. Anyways, I'm not saying that's what we're going to talk about. Who knows? We might talk about um, pit bulls the whole time. Um, <laughs> but first, let's, let's just start there, though, because that's what initially drew me to you and again it aligns so well with some of with our main initiative at, at summit chasers is just people who like myself have don't have you know a typical we don't have an mba right we don't right. have the typical path to success we whether it's they, they call it like street education or or failure education or you know just lucky as well in there and then they they kind of go through life and they have these big dreams they're innovators they're dreamers yeah. But there's just like I'm not supposed to, right? right. Yeah. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to answer it for you. It's more of a segue for you. So where did where did the the label free podcast? Where did that? Where yeah. what was your your goal? What's your goal with that? I've been asked that question a lot lately. Um, so my my background, I've experienced a lot of abuse, a lot of trauma. Is I'm a human trafficking survivor. I did a lot of drugs. Um, had some abusive relationships. My father's a deadbeat. Um, you know, I got married. I was married before my husband passed away about eight years ago and I had to rebuild my life. And over the last while well, now it's been five years almost with the podcast, but five years ago, I mean, I did dabble in fashion design too. So my husband passed away. I had to rebuild my life. I dabbled in fashion design and, you know, I did my last collection for an event against human trafficking. It was a huge event in Chicago. And then I was like, okay, What's next? I was not going to continue to throw money out at, at, at fashion anymore. Like I'll buy clothes. I'm a fashionista, but that is something. If you want to make a name for yourself, you have to have deep pockets. I just yeah. didn't have. So I got an article on how to, how to start a podcast. I didn't know what that was. I had no idea what a podcast was. And I was just like, okay, I read it. I'm like, this, I think I'm going to start a podcast. Talked to my, my, my cousin, my best friend at the time. And I'm like, I don't know who the F I think I am. I don't know if I can swear, but I'm like, I don't know who the F I think oh, I am. Want. What's that? All you want, go for All it. I, want, or I don't know who the fuck I think I am, but I'm going to start a <laughs> podcast. And I'm just like, you know what? I've, I'm so tired of carrying around these labels that I put on myself. Like I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm abused. I'm I'm broken. I have trauma. Like there's just so many when you go through so many experiences in life that you can just take on. And not only that, the labels other people put on you. So when I became a widow, that was a real tough label to have like i would tell that to, when i tried to start dating again which it took me a while it took me a while to start putting myself out there like once i told him that i was married and he passed away like i was like sign of the cross they you know mm. they didn't want nothing to do with me and, and i just thought that was very interesting and then the, on the flip side i had people that we men that we had done business with that were reaching out to me very like in very weird ways asking me if I needed anything, but they had underlying intentions, right? They would, did not have mm -hmm. good intentions. And so I was talking to my best friend and we just came up with label free to live your best life, live label free. And it was just like very freeing for me 
to start the podcast and like just start I have no more skeletons in the closet like all my shit's out there like I'm I'm an open book I don't have to worry about anyone coming after me and trying to like you know bribe me for something mm-hmm. because it's all out there and I've I've learned over the the last 5 years as I've fine-tuned my craft that this is um a message that resonates with so many people and I think that we are, we live in a society where everything is labeled. It's very divisive or yeah, divisive. And it's just, people don't want that. They want to be accepted for who they are. They want to be, you know, they want to be included and they they want to have forgiveness, right? And so, I mean, I've talked to so many incredible people over the last five years and it's just, it hasn't stopped. I, I get like 50 to hundred people a, a week that want to be on the show. So it's like, it, it resonates with people very deeply. Yeah. I, and that's amazing. And there's more people. Cause like you said, we're surrounded by highlight reels. Yeah. Nonstop. Like if, if I was just to go on to your, if you weren't so honest and open and vulnerable, which again, it's incredible. The, the short amount of research that I've even done, you know, two or three hours, like, I, I feel like I know you, right? Like you're very Good. honest, but for, but for most people, like if you were to take some of that away and I was to look, I'd be like, oh, she's a, just a badass executive. She's probably just got there. Yeah. Right. But they, we just, we're so blind to what it took to get there. Yeah. Cause a lot of people are, are they're almost ashamed of it. Like they, they, yeah. they don't give their past credit for the resiliency, oh, yeah. the skills, right? And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll work with a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, even myself, and they'll be like, well, I've never ran a company this big before, and I've never done this before. And, and but, but they were, you know, they were great at sports. Like you were on a team, like, did you, how hard did you have to work to make that team? Yeah, exactly. Like, did you have to figure, did you have to figure it out? Did you have to overcome some stuff? They're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, so you've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> right, just apply that to that. Yeah. Exactly, 100%. But one, so going back to to the labels thing, because I think that's a super interesting topic. Because we we give ourselves, or they're given to us, and then we buy into the labels. And if we give ourselves these labels, it almost like now we're in a box, and that box is very hard to get out of because we're just confined by that label. Like yeah. I am a whatever. Like my my own experience. I mean, I've had my own experience. We'll talk about that on your podcast. But um, <laughs> is and one of the many labels you know I, I bought into for myself was that somebody like I had imposter syndrome mm. and it's interesting like the word impot like syndrome applies like illness something that right. I need to go in a you know get a whole bunch of help or take pills for right so then now you're automatically because you buy into that the syndrome like that that label yeah. I feel like I'm like why well, until I get this fixed I can't do anything else but then I don't, I don't know how to get it fixed because it's almost made up I don't believe in the imposter syndrome. And that's another just like label that people want Mm -hmm. to put on things because they don't want to admit that they're feeling insecure or -hmm. what, you know, that they don't feel, you know, because I really feel like imposter syndrome is just a a fancy word to like, I'm just insecure. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm fearful. Like Mm -hmm. these are real, these are two basic words that have been our vocabulary forever. All of a sudden someone came up with imposter syndrome because they don't want to admit they're insecure, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't really believe in that, in that term. I, I don't either. And, and no. so one, I had one of my mentors, he, he put it to me perfectly. He's like, you, you don't have, like, you've been buying into this false thing. It's like two words that don't belong together. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You're just, you're just not comfortable with your, um, what did he say? You're not comfortable with what you 
can achieve like with your right. abilities right you're just not comfortable with it yet right you just don't know how to use it yet right so it's that was super interesting so for for you obviously with with your background how did you how did you get into well first of all start from the beginning how did you get out of where you were at i'm gonna get vulnerable here for a second how did you get get out of where you're at what was your first steps to kind of reinvent yourself in my in my early 20s yeah so after growing up around seeing like my father being very abusive and then i got into an abusive relationship and part of that relationship was being exposed to human trafficking and drugs but I also had the the sense to start reading a lot. I started reading a lot, a lot of self-help books, a lot of like meditation. Mm-hmm. And I got myself into martial arts. It was good. And it was like a little bad in the beginning because, you know, once you start learning some of those skills, you're like, oh, I'm a badass. I can beat everybody up. And I'm still dealing with a lot of, a lot of stuff. Right. And so as I like continued down my path of being a martial artist, I'm a second degree, degree black belt. So I, you know, passed the badass phase more until like the, you know, let's all love each other and be kind phase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then I started, I started, I, I just took myself to counseling. I found a counselor and I started just like processing, you know, and I'm like, I, I wanted to change the narrative for my family and for myself. I did not want to continue the pattern because unfortunately, as I'm sure everybody knows, and you know, that if you are raised in an abusive home, you continue, like you repeat the pattern. And so I was just refused to, to, to continue to do that. I wanted to change, change my life. I want to change my trajectory. And and I did, I set out to do that. I mean, it, I mean, I s- took a long time. I think I actually in my forties is when I finally had to have no more daddy issues. Right. I married an older man. He was 12 years older than me. I wasn't the best relationship. We were great partners in business, but he was very controlling. He was a steroid addict. He actually, that's why, how he died. He needed his third kidney transplant because he, would, he just couldn't stop taking the steroids. Mm. Um, you know, I, I definitely had, I married him because I had daddy issues. I did mm. totally. But he was also like my man, like my knight in shining armor came to me during a time which, you know, I was really deep into doing a lot of cocaine. I was doing, I was on a lot of ben- benders and um, he kind of rescued me from everything and, you know, turned, turned, changed, turned my life around. But then we became great partners in business. Then after, after like towards the end, I started becoming, I started growing like past him. That makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. I, I started growing so much yeah. on the inside and becoming such a, a better person for myself that I grew past him and he never stopped the steroids. And, you know, that's something that we fought about nonstop. And, you know, the last two and a half, three years of his life, it was him on dialysis. I had to push him in the wheelchair and in the airport and just do all the things. And at that point I knew like those daddy issues were gone, which is very mm. interesting. If you think about it Um, and just, you know, I, it was a, it was a long, it took a long time. I mean, 20 years, maybe longer than that. Took a long time, you know, to really, there's an interesting concept there. So you, the thing that got you, one of the things that got you out of that situation or that mindset wasn't the thing that it wasn't your ultimate savior. Like you had to keep reinventing yourself. Right. You had to keep keep growing and identifying that you keep growing because that's that's such a that's so cool. First of all, you got out of that one scenario into another that saved you from this initial one, yep. but then you grew until that was a problem, and then you had to identify that, and then you keep like we keep growing, yeah. and then as we grow, we hit. There's a ceiling, yeah. And sometimes we don't listen to that ceiling, and we keep hitting our head against it for a little bit too yeah. long, right? Yeah. We have to identify that ceiling and then grow past it. So that's. Yeah. 
super super cool concept so then after that how did you so from there your your current success how did you shift into into being the badass that you are now <laughs> thank you for that um i don't know i mean i just kind of you know after he passed it was um it, it took me a long time to really kind of just um be happy with myself just by myself so i think a couple of years after he had passed i just enjoyed really sitting in my in the peace of my home by myself and just in, in silence I mean, because I was pretty angry for a while because he left me with nothing. I had to hire three attorneys because I had a lot of ownership. We had five businesses, businesses. So I had to hire three attorneys to fight the family. You know, he had four daughters from a previous marriage and um, there was a trust and just a lot of, he specifically disinherited me in the will. There was a lot of things that I went, I had to go to battle for. And after like all that, the dust had settled, I just like really came to a place of gratitude and just wanting to be choose choosing, and now people don't realize this, choosing to be happy. Mm -hmm. Because it, to be happy is a choice. You can't mm -hmm. say, oh, you make me happy. This makes me happy. Like really your happiness comes from within. And that was like, a I think that the, the last five, six years of my life have been the happiest in the most just um, profound years that where I've just come found a lot of peace and, you know, I try to wake up every day and be grateful for whatever is happening around me because I, I feel like we get lost in like of like the what our expectations are supposed to mm -hmm. be like, oh, I, sh I should have this. I should have that. And, you know, I, I probably have the less of the least I've ever had, but I'm the happiest I've ever been. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And do you feel like part of that is because like it seems and again, uh, correct me if I'm making a false assumption here it seems like you've almost found at least for now your purpose like you is something that yes. you really can dig your heels into and if if i i don't want to get up and do this or you wake up and you're sick or tired or whatever it's something that you can like no i'm this is why i'm here right now yeah i the the podcast is definitely taking on a taking on a life of its own and you know even when there's been times where i have felt like oh this isn't going anywhere where what's what's going on with this how am i going to make this work you know, I've always had come back to like the message and mm -hmm. the the people that email me on a daily basis. Thank you for what you're doing. The five star reviews that I get like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. You speak to me in mm -hmm. ways that are so simple for me to understand. And it's great for my personal development. Like these messages just reaffirm that I am on the right path and I need to keep doing what I'm doing. And it just also tells me that there are so many more people around the world that need to hear this message. You know, I mean, I feel like COVID specifically really sh divided us as a society and it really pinned people against each other in ways that I thought were completely unnecessary. And, you know, if we can come to a place of unity, you know, we are stronger together than we are divided. And part of my message is being, is being, is acceptance and love and, and, and unified, unifying with each other, because we are all have like this really, we all have a, a story to tell. And once we allow ourselves to accept those stories that might make us feel bad about ourselves, but we find the strength in them and don't let any kind of judgment penetrate our, you know, our walls, I, I think that's when we can really see how how connected we all are together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's definitely something people can get behind. And that's something that people like you're like even your audience, like they're like oh. part of your community, like your community can get behind that so strongly. 
yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's such a cool kind of place to be. So are you, when you shit, when you, so you had five businesses, first of all, you had five. Yeah, yeah we had five. Yeah. What, what were those? So we had a large uh, remanufacturing facility for in automotive. So we remanufactured transmissions. I, I had gotten a lot of the, uh, my last contract I, I closed was for a to total of $20 million over the course of four years. Then we had an installation arm it locally um, for the transmissions. And then we had three real estate holding companies. So you guys are busy. Yeah. We traveled three weeks out of the month. So nonstop. Crazy. Good for, yeah. well, Good for you guys. So how was, so when you guys had those, did you found those, like co-found those businesses together? So I was, I was with him for almost 17 years of my life. He had mm -hmm. a manufacturing business prior to us okay. being married, but that one in the crash of 2008, if you remember the real estate mm -hmm. crash, yeah. he lost that. He was like a guinea pig to the bank. They pulled his loan. And so mm -hmm. I like when he, when all that was happening, he was not really telling me what was going on. And we were only engaged. We weren't married at that point. And I, and I fought with him one night, like until mm -hmm. three o'clock in the morning, like I'm coming with you to this meeting. This is my life too. He's mm -hmm. like, well, you can come, but you know, I don't want you to say anything. So I'm like, okay, I won't say anything. So I go to this meeting. This was him like restarting, right? He's re like going to restart under a new name. You know, he lost everything, lost like $10 million. I stood by his side and I negotiated during the course of us rebuilding. I negotiated our payment plans to people like vendors that had gotten stiffed from the old, old company. I had closed so many different contracts with, um, Verizon, First Group America, which is all the yellow school buses, you know, um, First Vehicle, which is for like um, a lot of the police stations. I mean, I, a, lot, a lot of contracts I got. And so, you know, he like at one point he told me, he's like, I underestimated you. I said, I know you did. Like, I know you did. And we just became a powerhouse of a couple in that in that industry in with what we did. And so, um yeah, we were incredibly busy, but I don't, I can tell you, I don't know if it was worth it though. Like all oh, we did was work. We didn't really enjoy anything. We had the mansion, we had the Ferrari, we had the Mercedes, we flew private, but it wasn't enjoyable because all we did was work. Mm. I remember a lot of times I'd be walking, I'd get home real late and I'd walk, walking to the mailbox, grab the mail. And I'm just like, I am so unhappy. This is, I yeah. don't think this is worth it. Mm -hmm. I think and that's a lot of, business owners miss that they don't really define what they truly want they define that they want i want a successful business right but they don't know what that looks like for them yeah. so it, you guys wanted a successful business but you didn't necessarily identify oh i also want to be able to travel i also want to be able to not have heart palpitate well, you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff and then some people do some people like that they, they thrive in it Right. And I, and I know some of those people and I don't fully understand them. I'm kind of one of those too, but there's some where it's just outrageous. They're traveling three and a half weeks out of the month and they're just insane. So defining that. So is, is that something that you learned? Would you identify that as like a learning, like a lesson that you learn is to really, when I get into something, identify kind of how I want I my life to be. Yeah. I enjoyed the success of the things that I was capable mm. of, doing, you know, because I surprised myself, you know, getting that, that contract, all the contracts I got actually, like we get a contract with Greyhound for all their transmissions, all the contracts with um, like MCI, which is all, all the motor coaches, you know, you name it. We had incredible large contracts with people all over the United States and mm. Canada. Um, it, I think it was just like, 
the grind and not being able to really sit down and fully enjoy it. And that could possibly be real big that mostly fall on my late husband because Mm -hmm. I don't think he knew how to really relax. I think that his fear of like losing it again, Mm -hmm. kept driving him forward where I would, and he was just so angry. He was so angry at the the bank. So angry at all, all these people that had were that he blamed for the demise of his first business. And I'm just like, you have to let that go. Like you gotta, you gotta let that go. Like, let's just move forward. Like, look at what we're building. You know, we are, we're light years ahead of where you were in your last business. We're going to double that business in, in like what I think it was. So 20, 2008 in like five years, which he w- took him almost 30 years to build 20 years to build. So like, let's just relax. Let's enjoy what we what we're accomplishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's huge. Cause then you, if you're so. I mean, again, you're putting yourself in another box of just your paranoia, your fear of failure, like you're almost doing it to not fail rather than to succeed. And if you if you do that, it's you're always focused on the failure, but not what it what it looks like for you to succeed. And then you get stuck in this whirlwind of stress and constantly holding grudges and burning bridges. And it's just not it's just not sustainable. No. Well, and he's not here anymore. (laughs) And well, there's a. Case I don't point. mean to laugh, but you know, case in point. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that'll be a sound bite. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you shifted away from, w- w- let me ask you this. Would you ever get into like owning a bigger business? Like, would you ever want to scale what you're doing to that size again? Or is that, are you kind of, would you say you're going well, to, I wouldn't want to do any type of manufacturing ever again. That's mm. like way too much. Just well, and, and it was more. It wasn't we weren't doing like OE stuff. It was all reman manufactured. So mm. very complicated. A lot of like parts had to be remachined, and you know, like we had a standard um, BOM build of materials, and so like it was just a lot. I would never want to do anything like that again. Would I want to scale what I'm doing today to reach a level that I'd be happy with, like you know, reaching seven figures? Absolutely. I'm not against that. And I think that there's a way to do it, especially in this day and age that I could do and and enjoy myself at the same time. I mean, look, I'm talking to you right now on my laptop in Florida, you Mm -hmm. know, so like, I think that there's a possibility to do what I do and scale it to a place where I could reach that level of success again, but I don't, not to that crazy level. Yeah, I'm I'm not interested in that. Just something that I'm comfortable and I'd be able to retire comfortable and you know be able to pitch in with my with my husband and instead of him being the breadwinner, I can actually pitch in some stuff too. (laughs) Hundred percent, I I respect that. What 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 advice would you give those that were they're they're in similar shoes as you were, right? They're they're working like basically they own a job, they own a very stressful job. Yeah. Um, and they're they're not necessarily happy with what they're doing. They're they're stressed out all the time. They, they don't have any time. They they feel like they're losing. Own a time job or own a business? They 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 own it. They own the business, but they again because they're so in it yeah. all the time, right? And just so like you said, they're whether they're traveling three and a half weeks out of the year or, or, or out of the month. I mean, or they're working seventeen hour days, whatever. They're just miserable. What advice would you give them? Hmm. You know, I, th- I, th- I think thinking back, if they own a business and they have a team. You really have to have the right team in place. We did not have great people in place. I was hiring and firing nonstop just because we can never really get the, the right people to support the, the goals of the business or we were to, or we were just growing out of their um, 
or their expert of their level of expertise. Like, right. We just kept growing and growing where maybe we outgrew them. So I think that if you have a business, the business is so that you have freedom to, to live your life the way you want to live. And so if you are constantly at mercy of the business and in, in, in that grind nonstop, then something's broken about your business, right? Either you don't have the right people, you don't have the right processes in place, you don't have the right, you know, your financials are messed up. Where's where are you bleeding money? Because if you are successful and you mean, or they're a micromanager, they're a micromanager, then they're they're never gonna they're gonna continue to spin their wheels. But there are so many things, especially in today's world, where you have so many like resources at your fingertips that you are able to fix a lot of those things. Like I mean. When we are, when our profit margin was at a certain level, I, things were just running smoothly and it was stress-free, right? So mm-hmm. if someone is, if something is eroding your your profit margin and you are, you feel like you have to constantly be in there micromanaging, you really need to figure out what that is because you obviously are losing money somewhere that's creating this chaos for you to constantly be in that grind. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, to your initial point was having the right people around you. Yeah. Right. And then you. That's hard. That's hard. And it's 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 difficult, and a lot of. And I liked your other point that you made was you were you were growing past the people that yeah. were on your team. If you have a you know if you're a five million dollar company and somebody who's whether it's a sales manager or in your case you know manufacturing a plant manager or line manager whatever it is and you grow past a certain point and you grow past their current skill level, right? Right. Yeah. Like you have to be able to identify that proactively. And I don't think a lot of people do. I just think oh they're doing good for now and then they don't notice that they're not doing well until. They're not doing well. And then all of a sudden, like like you said, whether it's something in your PL statement or you know, people are leaving because they don't like working for them, right. whatever, whatever, whatever it is, right? So when you're so how do if you're looking back then, or how have you learned to to avoid that, to avoid, you know, bring people in who can grow with you? And then how do you how do you make sure that they do grow with you? Well, I mean, right now with what I'm doing, I have someone who just edits all my videos and all my content, you know, and then I did have a booking manager that was taking all my intro calls, but I'm doing everything now because she's had some issues in her family life. Um, I think that if I was needing people again, I would really just try to find someone that was as passionate about my message and wanting to support my audience and my guests the way that, that, you know, they they are in alignment and they'd want to support them the same way that I would. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a completely different world for me now. I don't have hundred employees. I'm not managing a large P and L and a balance sheet. And, you know, it's just, it's completely different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in media now, which is a lot different than manufacturing. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, it's a completely different way of, of leading, right? Yeah. Like you kind of, if, if anybody, if you haven't, or I would suggest if you read it, if you haven't is read Hastings, um, I forget what it's called. Oh, it's a, it's a, his Netflix, um, kind of how he how he ran Netflix. He's this, he was the former CEO of, of Netflix. Like, no rules, rules by Reed Hastings. That's oh, what it's okay. called. Like and it. he kind of he kind of talks about the different types of leadership. And obviously with Netflix, like there was a lot of creatives on the mm-hmm. team, right? Everybody that he need they needed to have full bandwidth to create yeah. and come up with new innovations and the freedom to fail too. Yeah. So the way you manage them was just you don't necessarily tie you know a ton of compensation to them because then they're so focused on the compensation not creating and innovating right you you overpay them bring top talent overpay them right and then you you let them fail support them as long as they can come back and say yeah. why they failed and here's how i'm going to improve next time right. but you, you you let them create right and yeah. that's how you lead them is you, you push them ask them questions try yeah. to you know facilitate oh, yeah. and then but that's that's creatives and then you have you go into a manufacturing plan 
Yeah. Where, you know, if, if anybody here is familiar with Six Sigma, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. I think what's the, the optimal, it's like 99, like everyone says like, oh, it's like 99% of the time we're good. Well, in manufacturing, it should be like 99.996% yeah. of the time, right? Yeah. And anything below that is not good. Yeah. No. <laughs> right? So it's very different way to very different types of leaders. You have to be very, you know, you follow the process to the millimeter and yeah. then you have in where you're at now which is media creative right much more so like you have to bring in people who are more but the the common thread there though is whether it's manufacturing or creative if you have a team you should always ask them if what tools they need to succeed so Mm -hmm. if they are so that was my big thing with the, the people that actually i have a lot of women that i a lot of women and men that were part of my team in the manufacturing world that are leaders now and they and they they've thanked me for my leadership because you know I was a great example for them and I'm I'm humbled by that. So I always ask them, what can I do for you? What tools do you need from me to help you succeed more at your job? So am I failing you? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a leader, you have to take responsibility. How do you empower your team? And it's the same, it's the same thing across you know any industry. If they're if you're if you hired someone that you believe has a skill set to do the job and if they're not doing a good job, what do they need from you to make sure that they can do that job successfully? Because sometimes they are not giving them the right tools. No, I, absolutely. And there was a great concept. Uh I had just I'd spoke to somebody about I can't remember his name. Where he said, you know, as a leader, you always have to take responsibility for everything. Like everything has to be on you. And if you look at it that way, you can improve. So if you have somebody on your team, let's say you have a meeting, right? You're trying to push an initiative and they fail or they're off the mark, right? First, you have to be like, okay, is the way I communicated, was it clear to them what it was and how to achieve the outcome, right? And then um, was I clear? on the outcome itself and then you have to look at the person and be like okay everybody can perform exactly how they should with what they currently have so was did i set them up for success did i give them the tools that they needed did they have the right infrastructure did they have the right people around them did they have the right timeline right and then if all of that is right then you go back to okay did i just put somebody who shouldn't have been in that seat in that seat but either way it's on you it's on you as the leader right so you have to be able to identify down to this is what we need to accomplish. Okay, I just put a bunch of people who aren't capable of accomplishing it. It's not their fault. I should have identified right. that, right. right? So I need to either put them, if they're the right person culturally, let's put them in a different role and that's fine, right? So it's always on you. Yeah, right? as, as, as it should be. So I, I love that. I love that that's something that you embodied and, and admit to. Yes. I love that. So <clears throat> let's continue on. So you now you, now you have the podcast. What's kind of... I always ask this question, what's kind of the next summit that you're chasing right now? Like, where do you want to take this? Like, what's your vision of five years from now? What kind of, what kind of new badass are you? Well, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but I would not mind being a keynote speaker, but speaking about something that is in the realm of empowering people to live this label free life, you know, Mm -hmm. to continue my brand. Uh, I have been in talks to take the show to reality TV. So I was, um, I had a call with someone, they, they, they produce TV shows with networks all over, you know, the world. And I had to submit my proposal for that. So that's still in the wings. And I just became an executive contributor to brains magazine for the next 12 months. So I'm going to be, my feature just was live last night. 
So now I can start contributing. So I've actually had a couple of conversations with my gut with guests that I, I know that I want to feature in the magazine with mm -hmm. their subject matter. I had a, a guest on, he's a coach. He's in, he considers himself the kingmaker. And I love what that means. You know, I think that we're in a world where like we are emasculating men where the masculine is gone. Women have now taken on this masculine role. And it's like, that's the, it's not balanced, you know? Mm -hmm. And so our conversation was really deep and it was about like how these tides have changed and how do we get back to balancing it? So the woman can lead with her feminine and the man can continue to, can come back to his masculine, you know? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I, and like, I'm not sure about you, but I, I think we've seen a, a lot of what that has done to our society where it, it, whatever. That's a whole nother conversation. So I, you know, I have had these conversations. So I'm going to start writing articles around these people I've had these conversations with in that message, how it resonates with me and how it kind of falls into like the label free, um, the label free initiative and all that stuff. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm currently the next step for me right now. No, I, I absolutely love that. And my, so I, I'm divorced. I had two kids with my ex we're, we have a great relationship. And then I, I met my, my now fiance and she has, she came, I don't want to speak too much out of turn because she, she can do this part of the podcast, but she came from a relationship <laughs> where, where she, she felt she had to be the yes. more masculine one. Mm -hmm. Right. And she, she was miserable and she, she wasn't herself because she always had, again, she had to, she had to play a role that wasn't, it yeah. didn't, it didn't fit. Like she wasn't, again, she put herself in a box that she shouldn't have been in. And, and then when, when we got together, I, I had kind of a similar thing where I felt like I, I had to kind of suppress my, my drive and, and what I wanted to do and my, my gusto, as my yeah. mom calls it. Right. Yeah. And then we, we, we got together and then it was, it was such a relief to like, I can, you know, I can be the one to, you know, I can drive not, not literally, but I can drive forward. I can, I can be yeah. that, you know, I can yeah. kind of be myself. Balance each other out. So exactly and then able to be that vulnerable lead with her vulnerable feminine side which to yeah. be honest for myself i've never been able i've never felt safe enough in any relationship to ever lead with my feminine side until my now current husband so mm -hmm. it's taken me over 40 years of my life to finally get to a place because of being brought up in an abusive home you know i felt like i had to protect myself so i always mm -hmm. led with my masculine always like this tough strong independent woman and now it's like in this phase of my life with this man that i'm with i'm able to feel more vulnerable and lead it from my feminine so it is a beautiful feeling like oh yeah thank you god <laughs> like a there's a huge weight off your shoulder and that, that's yeah. That's how, I mean, you can take it from her, but from what she says, that that's how she feels too, yes. right? Because yeah. she, she feels safe. And I think, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a paradigm for many things. Like even in business, if you're in business with a, like if you're a co-founder, if there's, you know, if you're a, a thruple, so to speak, <laughs> running a business or, or you have like your key players on your team, right? They have to be comfortable in it to be there, to let their true skills, inhibitions, yeah. goals, and dreams, you know, be out there and, and drive towards it where I think a lot of, you know, whether it's business owners or leaders in general, they try to hold that in. It's like, no, pull that in. Like we, we just ROI KPIs, mm. like just yeah. this, as opposed to, okay, what do you actually want out of your life? Like, where do you want to go? Yeah. Even if, even if your plans to move on here in five years, right. I, I want that for you. I want to, I want you to succeed and, and develop them towards that goal. Cause then they'll fight for you. Yeah. And, and if they can get behind, you know, I, you know, like you're unified. And that's one thing that I think is so cool about what you're doing is when you said you want to bring somebody in who's as passionate about your vision as you are, 
yeah. I don't think you're going to have a hard time finding that because a, it's a great, it's a great mission, right? It's yeah. a great purpose. And B it's so like just talking to you. It's so clear. Yeah. Right. Like you could, you could have this conversation all day oh, yeah. with a hundred thousand <laughs> different types of people and it, it would, it would resonate the same. Right. Cause you're, you're, you're good at speaking as well. So to, to get good people buy into their vision, make yours really clear so they can buy into yours. And yeah. you're, you're going to, again, that you're going to be able to fall into your own and then identify what your own is. And then something that's, you're not, not your strong suit hire for that. Yeah. And because absolutely. you're so clear, you'll bring in good people. It's just kind of like this nice flywheel that, that we need to get into, but I absolutely love that. And I love everything you're doing. Um, take, take a minute or two, pitch everything that you're doing tell us where they can find you, uh, anything you want. I'm on all the things. So, I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm a, I'm a podcast host, you know, I, I release Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on all the things. And, um, you know, I'm just here to uplift, inspire, and hopefully bring people together and, and let them know that they are accepted and they don't have to be ashamed of their past or maybe anything, maybe perhaps something they're going through right now, that there is someone out there that has gone through the same thing as you. You are not alone. And there's light at the end of the tunnel. So label free podcasts. I'm on all the things. <laughs> Let's go and definitely check her out. I listened to, to a few episodes. They're, they're great. There was a guy on there. He was like an aging, aging doctor. I can't remember yeah. his name though, but he, he has some great, great content there. But anyways, it's some, some amazing stuff. And uh, you want to get into keynotes? We let's let's talk about that because I do want to do some keynote collaborations and stuff. And, and we we align, we align pretty well. So, yeah. anyways, um, um, I'll, I'll I'll film the outro afterwards. So I'm just okay. gonna talk shit until I stop. Thank you for watching this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed. You were inspired. You learned something that you can use to go and chase whatever your next summit may be. Be sure to like and comment your takeaways from the episode below. Also, follow us on all social media platforms under Summit Chasers Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to turn on your notifications so you can be notified when we drop new content like how-to videos, business best practices, motivation, and personal development strategies. And until next time, keep chasing your summit. I'll see you on the next one.